Welcome, foolish mortal. Hello there, and welcome to the Imagineers podcast, which peels back the gold way green and looks at the inner makings of the magic that is Imagineering. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm joined by my usual co-host, Paul. How's it going, Paul? Good, good. Looking forward to uh, diving into our, our home park for this one. And our home park being Disneyland Paris. Paris, yeah. Euro Disney, Disneyland Paris, whichever one is it called. Yeah. Euro yeah, Disneyland all those people that went in the 90s that still call it Euro Disney. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, do, do you know what? Speaking of the... I still love the old Euro Disney stuff. I bought the old products that they really... Yeah, I got, the, I got the big coffee mug that gets used every single morning. Oh, lovely. I got Just because uh, it's brilliant. I got the, uh, the yellow t-shirt and it's about the only yellow thing that I own. <laughs> no, the second yellow thing, the first one being a Burnley shirt and I do have my sins paid for that. So, today we enter a land where the cryptos creak and the tombstones quake, where disputes come out for a singing wake, happy haunts materialise and begin to vocalise. Today, the grim grinning ghosts come out to socialise. That's right, it's the haunted mansion. Uh, well, as you said, it's our home park, so it's... Phantom Manor. Uh, so, you you say it's your home t- home park, so you must have been on this countless times. Where does this rate in your favourite rides? Well, well, um, for Disneyland Paris, it's uh, I think I would probably put it in the top three. Um, for Disneyland Paris, it's there's not many things that come close to it, and and weirdly they they are all the classics that I would put in my top three. I'm not going to spoil the other two because we've not got to them yet. But yeah, this would would definitely be in the top three, um, for reasons that we're going to go into. Have we covered? Um, have we covered any of the other ones? No. Contrast, we've only covered two <laughs> attractions. No, not yet. Interesting. Interesting. I think. I think for me, this falls just behind the Tower of Terror. I think, just ever so slightly behind it. Yeah. When it becomes Mission um, it will become my top one. So we will hold fast until that happens. So we talk about Phantom Manor because, well, we'll kind of go into why we talk about Phantom Manor as opposed to the other ones. There is other variations of the Haunted Mansion ride. There's obviously the Haunted Mansion in California. There's the Haunted Mansion in Florida. I believe there's a Haunted Mansion in Tokyo. There is, isn't there? Uh, there's a version of it, um, I believe, but it's not called Haunted Mansion. As, as per everything, it's, yeah. it's got its own name. Yeah. Um, but we're going to talk about we're going to we're going to try and focus on Phantom Manor because of we'll, we'll go on to the reasons why we're going to focus on. Before we jump into Phantom Manor, we need to rewind our minds all the way back to 1951. So in 1951. Um, Walt Disney was first coming up with the concepts of a, a theme park. Uh, for anyone who um, 
the senior Imagineering star is it's when he starts to become obsessed with like fun fairs and trains and, and everything like that. And they hired his first Imagineers. But prior to the conception of Disneyland, um, they're developing a park across from the Burbank Studios. And the first known illustration of the park showed a main street setting, Greenfields, a Western village, and a carnival. Um, a fella called Harper Goff, who is affectionately known in history as the second Imagineer, um, Walt being the first Imagineer, um, developed a black and white sketch of a crooked street leading away from the main street by a peaceful church in a graveyard with a rundown manor perched high on a hill that towered above Main Street. Following the presentation of these sketches, Walt assigned another Imagineer, Ken Anderson, to create a story on Goff's idea. So we're starting to see the development of what might be a haunted mansion kind of a, a attraction going forward. So fast forward, Disneyland Park has been opened. At the time, you've got kind of the main main street. You've got um, Frontierland. You've got uh, what call it? Adventureland. It is Adventureland, isn't it? Yeah. Um, they've got Tomorrowland at that point because I will always remember if you just as a little tangent. Have you ever watched the full opening ceremony of yes. Disneyland? And you see, um, is it Samuel Lee? Like smashes into the back of um, Frank Sinatra or something like that. Yeah. It's the most random thing you'll ever see on the planet on Autopia. Yeah. Because at the time, obviously, you could just whack into anyone. It was yeah. unreal. <laughs> so, just as a little side tangent. So, obviously, uh, the Disneyland Park opened 1955. Yes. Yeah. He says, getting his dates yeah. right. That's right. I'm just trying to work out when the was trying to work out when the 60th, 60th anniversary was. But yeah, it was 2000. Jesus, is it that long? Yes. Already six years since since Pain the Night came along. Oh Jesus, Jesus, yeah. Time's flying fast, and yeah. Before we know it, every other park will have a Disney Illuminations. Yeah. <laughs> So around 10 years after the, the park's opening, Imagineers commenced planning to include a New Orleans-themed area to transition between Frontierland and Adventureland. Um, we know it fetching hours, New Orleans Square. Uh, Ken Anderson studied New Orleans and old plantations and came up with a drawing of an antebellum manor overgrown with weeds, dead trees, swarms of bats, boarded doors and windows tops with a screeching cat as a weathered event as a weather vane um, and this is an interesting um, thing because Disney actually rejected this idea because he didn't like the idea of, a, of rundown buildings in his parks so we now cast our mind forward again we're going to keep going back and forward here um, Disney didn't approve Walt actually didn't approve of a rundown building in his park and yet now we've got the Tower of Terror and Phantom Manor what do you think do you think Walt would have been uh, I think he would have looked at it in different ways. He always he always looked at Disneyland as meant to be pristine and everything was meant to be perfect. It was meant to remind him of, of wherever he'd been and things like this. And I think if you put it into into context, certainly with Phantom Manor um, being where it is and, and everything and, and considering how it can be affected by weather and, and things like that, I think he probably would have approved of how they did it in, in Paris. 
Yeah, and I think he may have had it presented to him, you know, with the story. Yeah. Uh, they wouldn't have just gone cold cold turkey on it and just gone boom. Yeah. Here's a building in the park. It's like we're building this story and this 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 mythology around the area. Yeah. Um, which is kind of why we're covering Phantom Manor as opposed to the haunted mansion rides, you know. Yeah. Um. So going back in time. Ken Anderson visited the Winchester Mystery House in San Jose, California, uh, and was captivated by the massive mansions with the stairs to nowhere, doors that open to walls and, and holes and elevators, um, kind of a little crazy house that you might find in Blackpool. I think there is a there's an attraction in Pleasure Beach, actually, that's like that, I think. Yeah. Impossible, I think. I've been there, but yeah. Uh, if you've listened to the last few episodes, you might notice that uh, I love Blackpool. I think it's great and um, other people might not hate me if you want um, Anderson envisions stories for the mansion including tales of a ghostly sea captain who killed his nosy bride and then hanged himself his nosy bride alright Jesus don't get nosy on your angry sea captain <laughs> a mansion he's home in the, he's in the, intra- in the attraction still that's the fun thing he's one of the paintings on the wall he is. As you go along the corridor. He's... Oh, no, it's not one of the, the stretching room ones, isn't it? No. There is a captain... There is a, a sailor on one of the cat on the stretching yeah. ones, isn't there? Yeah. But if you, if you do the, the Disneyland version, when you go along the, the corridor as you go down to the Doom Buggies, when you come out of the stretching room and they've got the lines of portraits yeah. on the wall that change as you walk past them, he is one of them. All oh, right. So we managed to keep him in somewhere. Yeah. Um, another idea was a mansion home to an unfortunate family and a ghostly wedding party with well-known Disney villains and spooks. Uh, Imagineers Rolly Crump and Yale Gracie recreated Ken Anderson's stories in a studio at Wed Enterprises. And I'm going to put a pin in those two names, Rolly Crump and Yale Gracie, because they're going to be very, very important yeah. later on in the story. Uh, so in 1961, Fly's announcing in 1963 of opening the Haunted Mansion were given out at Disneyland's main entrance. Construction began a year later, and the exterior was completed in 1963. The attraction was previewed in a 1965 episode of Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Colour, but the attraction itself did not open until 1969. So that was kind of a bit of history on kind of Haunted Mansion in the California uh, part and um, interestingly I think if I'm correct the fit out of the interior of Haunted Mansion didn't happen for a while it's not like they built the whole ride and then it sat there for like what four years I think they left it as a like an open facade and then yeah they um they were working on it and then they stopped for the World's Fair that was it um, we'll put a stop on everything for the parks at that point so that they could work on the World's Fair and then as soon as they came back he was like right we're done with that now back to that big building that we've got sitting there with nothing in it <laughs> I know though we're going to we're going to um, obviously do an episode on this amazing uh, ride the best ride ever came out of the World's Fair yeah <laughs> I can't wait to go for that ride it's such a great ride I'm just, I'll tell you what I'm going to do is if you've listened to previous episodes and you'll probably hear this now I've actually got backing music to, to, to create a bit of ambience for, for, for our 
you know, storytelling to, to help you to sleep as you're listening to this. On the small world one, I guarantee you this, for the whole hour that we speak, I'm going to put that song in the background. Yeah. That's what, what listeners deserve. They deserve an earworm. <laughs> it's what, what what was the one from the Imagineering Principles? The small world effect. Yeah. That will be the small world effect. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we might be getting reviews that have driven him into a mental asylum. Mm. Um, <laughs> so we're going to jump forward from the 1960s through to the 1980s when legendary Imagineer Tony Baxter was doing the planning of Disneyland Paris and. Uh, we all know and love Tony Baxter, absolute legend in the, the industry. Yeah. Uh, so during the planning of Disneyland Paris, um, Tony Baxter decided that the Haunted Mansion was to be among staple attractions from previous Disney parks that were to be modified for the European market. Can we think of any other attractions that were modified? We've got... Yeah, Space Mountain. Space Which Mountain. a little bit later, but it was planned right from the word go so that was that was amended um most of the other ones pretty much stuck to their guns big thunder was slightly different in there's um, on the island yeah um but other than that the small world was pretty much the same the dark rides pretty much the same pirates and we switched around for the most part it's the same ride it's just backwards mm-hmm um but yeah, other than that, I think pretty much everything else was the same. There wasn't a lot of modifications going on. Yeah. No, there Pan's wasn't really. Peter Pan's the same. The Snow White's the same. Snow White there. Uh, they, they still have the, the carousel. Dumbo's yeah. the same. Dumbo you can't really change anyway. No. Yeah. I guess, I guess it wasn't really that many modifications. No. Uh, the it. canal boats. Boats are different. Storybook Circus. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and um, the one that goes around there is Kansas different. Junior. Yeah, that's in yeah. Disneyland Park, but slightly different, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, we've got some, some tweaks on the, the major attractions. Um, this particular attraction from the Haunted Mansion to the Phantom Manor was that it was going to take on a darker tone to its predecessors. Um, so Jeff Burke was assigned the role of executive producer for the construction of this park's version uh, of Frontierland and with help from Imagineer Bond Banarek and showwriter Craig Flanning, it was decided that the story would relate to Phantom Manor would have kind of effects through the whole concept of Thunder Mesa. Um, a fictional town that portrayed in Frontierland, which is kind of unique to Disneyland Paris. Um, I think, if I'm right, no, Tokyo Disney Sea has a story behind it. Yeah. Like an all compassing kind of yeah. story. But other than that, I can't think of any other real parks that have this kind of whole mythology around it. No, it's it's very unique to Paris, and and we'll touch on some of the things that it, it's brought about um, as we go into this. Um, that are very different to, to anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. So we'll touch on the backstory. Obviously, it's it's the first, it's the starting point really in all of this, and it's 
when we talk about um, the principles of Imagineering, what's one of the first principles of Imagineering? So we're story. storytelling. Yeah. We're storytelling now. So the backstory of the attraction revolves around the Ravenswood family. Henry Ravenswood, born 1975, was a Western settler who struck, big, struck gold in Big Thunder Mountain and founded the Big Thunder Mining Company, uh, thus creating the city of Thunder Mesa, Frontierland as a whole. And if you go on Big Thunder Mountain, you will see signs for Big Thunder Mining Company. Uh, Ravenswood became rich and built himself a Victorian manor high on Boot Hill, overlooking Big Thunder Mountain, where he lived with his wife, Martha, born 1802, and his daughter, Melanie Ravenswood, born 1842. And I can't remember where it is. It might be on a park map. There's somewhere that references that Phantom Manor is actually on Boot Hill. And this, these are just the crazy little tidbits. Yeah, it's, it's the cemetery. The cemetery is called Boot Hill Cemetery at the bottom of the, the manor. Yeah, and there's signs signs for it and everything, isn't yeah. there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's, again, it's, it's crazy the amount of thinking Imagineering, Imagineers put into this, but also we talk about the different types of graphics that they use, you know, reinforcing the story that, that's there. Um, so Big Thunder Mountain was rumoured by natives to be home to the Thunderbird, a powerful spirit possessing a treasure. According to the legend, its wrath could be materialised into a terrible earthquake. However, Ravenwood would not believe such stories. Years went by and the gold in Big Thunder Mountain became scarce, making miners dig deeper into the mountain, um, eventually under the sea, under the water, where you would put a, a rail coaster many years later. Um, <laughs> So random, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Melanie grew from a young girl into a beautiful young woman and became drawn to several suitors who planned to take her far away from Thunder Mesa, much to the dismay of Henry. Never, never made the father angry. Henry did, not, did everything he could to stop this, with the first fall being subjected to various cruel things. <laughs> now... <laughs> one of the things I never realised until I read this is that I kind of half knew the names of these but I didn't know that we'll go through it and I'm going to put a tidbit at the end of this so I saw your bottom was sawed in half by a saw blade <laughs> we're not going to say anything we're going to see if we can yeah. Captain Rowan D. Fells fell off a waterfall Ignatius Iggy Knight was bomb blown up by dynamite and Barry Claude was mauled to death by a bear. Yep. And what I didn't realise until I'd read it and then I kind of was reading the, the tidbits on this and everything like that, that every one of their names uh, signifies how they died. Yeah. <laughs> and I believe they're the portraits in the stretching room. They are indeed. They are indeed. Um, but I think... Portraits have changed, haven't they? Did it still feature those? I haven't actually yeah, written it. Since. I've only been on it once since it got the refurb. And it still um, features the same portraits? I think it does. I'm sure it does. Certainly the guy that um, sets himself, blows himself up is is there because the TNT's still there. Yeah, um, it's, 
it's strange. We're going to touch on it later, but the haunted mansion in America—they almost try and make the deaths comical. Yeah. And in this one, they tried to make it sinister, but they've almost made it comical in its own right. <laughs> it's like just with um, those names, it's <laughs> just a bit nice. Um, with Bottom Falls, Night and Claude all dead, Cameron's be- attempts to become became useless in order to stop Melanie in the midst of being engaged to a train engineer named Jake when a terrible earthquake killed him and Martha in 1860. It seemed that the Thunderbird had been awakened and the family was never heard of again. Um, Now, here's something I was trying to think of off the top of my head and being two three years since I was last at Disneyland Paris so I'm going to have to going to have to really look at this now can you think of anywhere that the Thunderbird is actually noted or mentioned around Thunder Mesa now I I don't remember saying anything I know about this because I believe it was used in the comic book that they did for Big Thunder Mountain a few years ago um, that was based around Thunder Mesa it was based on the Disneyland Paris version um, and it was it was about uh, train robbers and, and things like that. And I'm sure there was a lot, quite a lot of mention of the Ravenswoods in it. Mm. And I'm sure there is a mention of the Thunderbird in there. We're um, going to have to make it our mission to find yeah. any any note of the Thunderbird, because it seems a big kind of oversight if they haven't mentioned it yeah. in, at once in Frontierland. You know, with all the detail they put into this and this story and stuff, the Thunderbird seems a massive part of it. You know, yeah. um, so we'll, we'll we'll have to make it our mission in future episodes to uh, maybe maybe yeah. by the time we come around to do Big Thunder Mountain, we'll uh, unearth yeah. the source of the Thunderbird. Yeah, I've got a trip to Disneyland Paris books in December if I actually get to go. So I'm going to do some fact finding missions while I'm there. Yes, see what I can find. What we'll do is we'll do a, I know you'll probably do a trip report for um, yeah. Discover DLP, but we'll do an Imagineers trip report where you just look at yeah. the the bending moments of the Tower of Terror. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the concrete falling off the building. Yeah. Uh, on Melanie's wedding day, so back to the story here. On Melanie's wedding day, a mysterious phantom unknown to anyone appeared in the house. Unbeknownst to anyone, this was the spirit of Henry himself, seeking vengeance on Jake for the, his defiance on him. While Melanie was preparing in her room, Henry lured Jake up to the attic, where he hanged him by the neck from the rafters. In the ballroom, that bit always that that bit always stuck with me. Sorry, before we go on, is that it always stuck with me that before the refurb, they actually showed someone hanging. I thought, Jesus, it's a bit much for a Disney park that. Yeah. I know they've since obviously removed it, but although Yeah. Alright. He's still up there. It's just done differently. Yeah, I think he's just hanging the noose, isn't he? Rather yeah. than but there was a physical body hanging there yeah. oh, Jesus Christ, that's been much. Even even when I watched the the film The Haunted Mansion, which we have to mention whilst we're doing this. Yeah. Um even when you watch the film and there's this bit at the start um, where he's hung himself. I thought, this is a Disney film, this is. Yeah. Like, 
you know. And I think it's I think when we do finally get another version of it, I think it's probably going to be even more so towards that way. Towards kind of a darker. Yeah, they've been looking to do a darker version of it for ages. They had Guillermo del Toro for a long time working on one, and um, because he's a massive, massive fan. Um, and if you do look out there, I've mentioned it on other shows, but if you do do search um, Guillermo del Toro and the Hatbox Ghost, he had done a maquette of what his Hatbox Ghost was going to look like, and oh, it was really? quite grotesque. Really? Like bit, bits of face missing and all sorts of things, yeah. Sorry for anyone who's listening now, I need to see this. Uh, Hatbox Ghost. What was his name, sorry? Just search Del Toro. So D-E-L. This is, this is really bad listening. I do apologise for anyone who's listening to this. Oh my god. Oh. Oh, that's nasty. Yeah. Ooh. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, the real going like horror on it, weren't they? Yeah. No, I don't think. Did it, does the Hatbox Ghost ever make an appearance in the, the Eddie Murphy film? I don't think it does, does it? I don't think it does, because not many people know about it at that point. Because you've got to consider that film's, what, 20 years old now? Yeah, the lore of it. I think it was, at that point, it was kind of reserved for the the, the nuts among the Disney fans at that point that knew about it and the the general public didn't, so they didn't throw it in there. Um, Now now it's common knowledge. Now it's back in the rise. Most people know about it. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be interesting. So he's not working on that anymore? No, he yeah, that was that was about probably ten years ago now. Um and he got um oh Ryan Gosling was the lead in it. So it'd been cast and everything and they just didn't go ahead with that. Do you know why? So it was gonna do a Tarry Tarry movie. <laughs> Steve Gutenberg was gonna make his big return. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's the end of the podcast today, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and if you don't, under, if you've just joined on to this this episode and you don't understand, go back and listen to our Tower of Terror episode. There's a full five minute review of how much Paul loves the Tower of Terror movie <laughs> with Steve Guttenberg and uh, Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> yeah. We, we will swiftly move on. Where did we? <laughs> <laughs> Someone hanging by their neck. That's what we've got to. <laughs> Whoever directed that uh, Tyra Tyra film is hanging by. <laughs> so in the ballroom, now we've sat alone. Hours went by with no sign of the groom. Guests slowly filed away, leaving Melanie alone in the house with the staff of maids and butlers. Someday, she told herself, you will come. And so, having never taken off her wedding dress, I dropped her flower bouquet. In preparation for a loved one return, she wandered the house aimlessly, singing melancholy songs of lost love. But Henry was still in the house, laughing at his daughter's devotion to her intended husband. One after one, Henry invited his dead, demonic friends from the afterlife to fill the house in an eternal party. A dark curse fell upon the house, 
and the shape of the house was slowly transformed by evil forces. No one was to ever set foot in the house since... No one has ever set foot inside the house um, since, and the house has decayed with age. Um, a, bit, a bit of a horrible dad, isn't he? Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's not the nicest, considering he was uh, rich and could have done anything else he wanted to until the, the gold dried up. Yeah. Um, seems a bit, he's a bit bitter. He's <laughs> a bit bitter, all right. Um, you can't have, if I can't have it, no one else can. Yeah. Um, so the house that was once beautiful, dust, dusty cobwebs covered every inch, and the disheartened staff not caring. It was rumoured that Melanie had lost her mind. She wandered the house for years and years, singing softly to her groom, while all around the demons and ghosts reveled and danced. Everywhere she went, she was reminded of the wedding. Her father's eternal laughter still carried through the walls of the house. Outside, the once beautiful grounds were falling apart and crumbling. The glided staircase and structure were dotted with mould and trees, and plants everywhere on the grounds died. As if sensing the evil inherent in the house, nothing living ever trod there. Even so, Melanie kept up her house, waiting for her love's return, and never figured out why he didn't show up at the wedding. And nothing never lived, nothing living ever trod there until the cast members from Disneyland um, entered the house and decided to set up a golf ride there. <laughs> um, the earthquake that killed her parents all those years ago cut a huge gouge in the west half of the property and in the grumbling gross town of the old Thunder Mesa. The deserted buildings are rumoured to be called the Phantom Canyon, the dark supernatural version of the town, and anyone who entered the gassy town at night never came back. Today, no one knows if Melanie Ravenswood is still alive in that old house on the hill, despite the fact that cast members um, are in there like a good eight or nine hours a day. They don't know whether she's alive. They should probably really check on that, to be honest. Um, If she is, then she's well over 100 years old. Um, She'd be doing well for herself. Her beautiful voice still carries over the town at night, through the walls of the house and the night air. And sometimes people still see lights in the house. Um, so we kind of touched on it before the start of this we go back to the principles of Imagineering and we said about the backstory of this this has to be the best backstory Disney have ever come up with for a yeah, yeah. By, by a mile it's, it's just superb and, and as I said it, it had so much backstory that they could do a whole comic book series about it um, which is just ridiculous um, and uh, it still amazes me to this day just walk it, it is probably my favourite land in in any park I do struggle sometimes with how big it is and how half of it hasn't got anything in it um, but just that that first entrance when you come in to that land is just it's something special uh, and this backstory only builds on that um, with the not even just the two attractions that are there, you've got all the, the shops and everything that are around it as well, that are part of the story as well, the, the restaurants and mm. stuff like that. It's just, it's just superb. And we were talking, you were saying about um, we're deviating slightly onto the land itself here, but it is all part of the backstory. Is we're talking in the last episode? Oh, sorry that last episode, episode before, in the Tower of Terror episode, about the potential for Geyser Mountain behind um, 
the the Phantom Manor. Um, with the amount of space they've actually used in that park, um, you'd almost, I don't know about you, but it almost seem like it'd just take away from the story just to try and cram another, cram another ride in there now for the sake of it. Yeah, I think so. It's, it's not even for me. I don't even need another attraction. I just feel like they could do more with that, that whole back end of the frontier land that's empty. Um, once you get past big, the entrance to Big Thunder, you, obviously you've got Cowboy Cookout and the, the theatre um, that they rebuilt not long ago. Um, but there's a whole empty section of the park down the, the back end opposite the theatre that I just feel wasted that they could do something more with. And I wonder if there was ever anything planned for that. For, for a long time, it was just like a petting farm, wasn't it? Um, and they used it for Christmas. They used to have Santa down there and they have the reindeers in the, the field. Haven't they got the um, Poker Hunters playground down there? Yeah. That's, that's down there, that's isn't there. it? Yeah. Um, but not quite that far down, I don't think. It's still, that's right by the, um, the pin trading yeah. place. Um, I just feel there's so much more they could do. See, the only thing, the only time I've ever been down there is I took a quick walk down there for Cowboy Cookout once, and I think I've done a few meet and greets down there. I think yeah. sometimes catch Woody down there, and yeah. Jesse, and randomly, um, is it Rapunzel? I think I caught down there randomly once. Yeah, Merida's normally there now. It was Merida, not Rapunzel. Yeah, yeah, Merida in the middle of a cowboy area was like yeah. a bit jarring. Yeah, and they do, before they built the gazebo outside, and that's not even something we've talked on um, with Phantom Manor, they built that new gazebo outside Phantom Manor, didn't they, not too long ago? Uh, yeah. For meet and greets. But previous to that, that would be where Mickey and Minnie would do their Halloween meet and greet. Oh, for the um, not where, so scary. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know outside of there, but that's where they do Jack Skellington, isn't it? When yeah. he decides to make an appearance. Yeah. Um, but. That's when he's not busy planning for the next Christmas. Yeah. Halloween, Christmas, Halloween. What? Which one is he doing this year? Mm-hmm. Well, with the way this year's gone, it's probably going to be his Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> I think the feeling last Christmas was his. Um, so, going to the the actual backstory, um, a major influence for the Imagineers for the rides backstory was uh, actually based on Gaston Leroux's novel, The Phantom of the Opera, um, which is legendary um, novel slash musical and you can see the uh, similarities uh, in the way the Phantom is portrayed as yeah definitely he's he's very much got the look of Phantom about him the, the top hat yeah and he kind of disappears and reappears in yeah random places and the secondary plot focusing on the abandoned bride Mrs. Mrs. Havisham from child secondary plot focusing on there was also an influence, sorry, from the secondary plot focus on the abandoned bride, Mrs. Havisham from Charles Dickens' Great Expectations, as well as many other European Gothic legends, which were altered, obviously, for the Western setting that Phantom Money is set in. The architectural style for the external building is Victoria's Second Empire. Um, Imagineer Mark Davis uh, disliked the derelict aspects of the building, stating, Walt would never approve of it. Like we were saying before, it's a bit of a strange one there. Now yeah. we've got two very 
derelict looking buildings and staples in the parks now. Um, like the other haunted mansion rides, only the first scene takes place in the mansion, the structure itself. The remainder of the ride takes place in a building hidden from park guests. So um, we'll, we'll kind of jump in how you transition to those uh, shortly. Um, so we've kind of gone through the backstory of it. So actually try and get on the ride itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's so, so much backstory that how long we've been sitting there. What about 40 minutes talking just about the conception of the the ride and the backstory. Yeah, and do you know what? I feel like even then we've kind of um, only really touched on it. Um, you know, it's it's such a such an interesting story as the Haunted Mansion one and Phantom Manor story, you know. So it should be noted that the, in the original Haunted Mansions at Disneyland, the Magic Kingdom and Tokyo Disneyland, the mansion was designed to look clean and aesthetically pleasing. Phantom Manor, however, is designed to look clearly derelict and stands at top of a small hill known as Boot Hill, looking out onto the southern side of Big Thunder Mountain, uh, with a commander view of a washed-out threshold, the mine elevator and the second lift hill um, of the actual Big Thunder Mountain ride. The manor's grounds are untended, or overgrown with weeds and scattered with dead vegetation, as the story dictated, and uh, it hasn't been looked after. Um, actually, thinking of that, You've got you get some gardeners in to. Uh, <laughs> it's always a, is it? This one to me is a little bit like when they went to Oldest Elevator Company and said, "We want you to do an elevator that falls." And yeah. like, now it's like you're getting gardeners in, and you're kind of going, "We want you to tend this garden to make it look unattended." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kill, kill all the kill all the flowers. Don't water them. Just make sure that they're dying. <laughs> make sure they look everything black. We want it to look ugly, but not yeah. too ugly, you know? Yeah. <laughs> to, quote, to quote the Queen of Hearts, I'm painting the roses black. <laughs> oh, painting the roses. I love that. It's a great film, is that? Um, sometimes feel like Alice falling into the rabbit hole, uh, especially this year. Prior to entering the queue, the marquee, which we was mentioned at the the earlier on, found that the entrance of the ride features a mould of a denom- demonic head intended to, intended to resemble classic horror actor Vincent Price, who recorded the original Phantom Narration. There you go. It's a little thing to look out for the next time you're there. Yeah, and he is back. He is back. Uh, after they was allowed to return it American again. Yeah. English, American, English. My God. I get shot. Get shot. It's not American, it's English. Um, upon entering the grounds, guests can see uh, a bat guard box and a plaque on the wall which reads Phantom Manor and forgive my Latin, non omnis malaria. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I never learnt Latin. No, this I didn't l- either. <laughs> this line comes from Odes of Latin poet Horace. Book three, old day thirteen, and means I will not die completely. Um, bit of a strange omen. Do you think that was there anything? Think of Mr. Ravenwood. You know, yeah, bit of a strange I, thing to. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm a little bit obsessed with that that sign. It's one of those things that I'll go up and photograph, like literally <laughs> just stand in front of it and take pictures of it. And I, and I don't know why. I just 
I love, I just love the font and everything that they've used on that. It's, um, it is still very reminiscent of the, the original Haunted Mansion in, in Disneyland as well. Um, same kind of writing, the, the New Orleans style mm. writing that you see along New Orleans Square. Um, it kind of reminds me of the Club 33 logo. It's obviously yeah, in New yeah. Orleans Square as well. Um, so yeah, I am a little bit obsessed with that with that logo, that that plaque on the outside. And and does the uh, does the quote "I will not die" completely um, ring true to you? When when the unfortunate day is that we uh, you, you do pass on, we can stick an omni mover in your house and. Uh... Yeah, yeah, that that'd be nice. I'd quite like an omni mover around the house. It's easier <laughs> to get around. We'll slap a few Altus elevators on the front of your house and. Yeah. and Sticking on the river through there. <laughs> you can be the new Hatbox Ghost. Yeah. <laughs> uh, would you rather be the Hatbox Ghost or the Phantom? Um, I think I'd rather be the Phantom because I'm throughout the ride, whereas the Hatbox Ghost is only in like one scene. This is very so, true. So I'd quite like to be the Phantom. He appears multiple times. <laughs> you know, I, I think I'd like to be. Um, my name is Alta. I just think she's cool. <laughs> I just think she's awesome. I just, you know, she's got vibes going on there. She's just, she's yeah. vibing on the table. Like, um, <laughs> we'll get to Madame Milton. Uh, a derelict gazebo stands on the lawn that has tea, tea set laid out in the garden, um, as if there was planning on having tea at some point before it was abandoned. This is a great use of obviously when we're looking at scene setting goals, graphics and stuff like that, you know, you, you know you're kind of in a place that's stuck in time similar to Tower of Terror. Originally, these used to move to mimic two people pouring and drinking tea at night. Uh, the light in the gazebo flickers, so they've, they've, I think they've stopped that now. It just sits there now. Um, the the yeah. gazebo also contains a music box playing within. Uh, since 2001, this music box track also used in the Disneyland version for use on the annual seasonal seasonal overlay. Um, quickly touch upon that. In the Disneyland and... I don't know if they do it, the Walt Disney version. The, no, just no, Disneyland. Yeah. In the Disneyland one version of the Haunted Mansion, they overlay it at Christmas with a Nightmare Before Christmas um, theme and kind of a speech to himself. Jack Skeleton coming out of all the nooks and crammies. Um, lock, stock and barrel. Is that what they're called? Yeah. And, and Oogie Boogie and all the, the fun creatures of the night. Um, an amazing film. Absolutely amazing film. Um, when you're actually in the park at darkness hours, um, shadows and lights can be seen within the house. And sometimes you can actually see Melanie within the windows carrying, carrying a candle from one window to the next. Um, Something I've never noticed, because usually by the time it's going dark, I'm usually over in the castle. But have you ever picked up on yeah, that? Yeah, I've seen it. I've, I've stuck around taking pictures of Big Thunder, uh, the Molly Brown and Phantom Manor, and she is very visible at night. Um, kind of like for people that know um, Universal, kind of like Creature in the Window at uh, Grimmauld Place, um, where she just kind of makes an appearance behind the the window behind the curtain. All right. He pokes his head out. It's very similar to that, um, but it's very much more noticeable at night and is quite high up. So um, during the day, it's difficult to to say. But 
Yeah, at night she's very visible. So, uh, do you believe in ghosts? A little bit. Um, my in-laws are very susceptible to that sort of thing, so I kind of have to believe that there is something there. I mean, clearly you've, you've seen a ghost. Yeah. You've seen the ghost of Melanie, you know? Yeah. Oh no, she might still be alive, we don't know. The imagination yeah, exactly, is... she could be over 100 years old, so... Cast members have never checked up on this strange woman that's wandering around the house. Yeah. <laughs> um, after guests make, them, make their way through the overgrown front gardens, they kind of go along the porch and queue outside the house where they wait for admission. A cast member who has never checked for Melanie, dressed as a macabre servant, opens the door and invites a group, a group of them into the foyer. Um, and it should be noted that this is the only mansion where, in any of the parts, where guests actually enter the ride through the front door. Um, I actually, do you remember where you enter through with the other ones? It's through the, it's through the conservatory, isn't it? Um, you walk through the conservatory, but I believe the entrance you use is the staff entrance. Um, so where they, where the servants, yeah, yeah, yeah. I only remember going through the conservatory, um, on the American version. It's been some years since I did that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and I think if you've ever been on Haunted Mansion, there's something I love about... Um, we never touched on it in Tower of Terror. Um, but there's something I love about Disney parks, and I would love to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to research how they do it properly. But every attraction has a unique smell that's been sourced for that attraction. Yeah. You know, the Tower of Terror has this kind of fragrant, but kind of dank, horrible... Yeah, it's, I think it's meant to kind of be reminiscent to, like, Night Jasmine. Yeah. It'd be like a Hollywood... You walk through the Hollywood Garden. Um, so the, the Los Angeles Night Jasmine. It's the yeah. sort of smell that you get as, you, as you're coming in. Um, uh, and this one kind of... This one has the same kind of kind of damp, yeah, musty smell, but it's not yeah. it's not horrible. It's no, it is a little sweet, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know if you you know much about oil diffusers, but I, um, I, a little bit. I kind of nerded out a little bit recently, and um, and there's a shop on Etsy called the Main. Let me get this right. Because uh, I can't remember what this is actually called now off the top of my head. Main Street Melts Candle Co. And they have managed to kind of recreate some of the smells from my like your favourite Disney attractions. So uh, I'm not getting paid for this, by the way. Um, I just thought it was a great little tidbit that like you can stick it in your roll of user and it takes you back to favourite attractions. Uh, which one would you choose? Um, I'm... I'm a massive fan, weirdly, probably would pick, like, Main Street. I love the, the bakery smell mm. um, as you're coming along, along Main Street. Um, yeah, that's probably the, the one that I'd, I'd pick specifically would, would be that. I love, I love the smell of the water in Pirates of the Caribbean as well. I've actually just ordered the Pirates of the Caribbean one, so I'll let you know how that goes. <laughs> I, think, I think it's supposed to have, like, a sea salt smell with a... Um, a gunpowder after smell. 
whatever yeah. that is. So make it sound like it's some kind of gin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so moving, moving back, that to start off with a little sidetrack. Um, uh, uh, anyone who wants to nerd out and get smells, get on Etsy, get on that, that star and uh, put it in your royal diffusers. Um, January the 8th, 2018, Phantom Manor closed for refurbishment with a ride reopening on May 3rd, 2019. So what we'll probably do is we'll kind of go through this and we'll talk about the original, but then kind of talk about what changed in the 2019 version of it. So as you enter, the, you notice that the foyer contains a dusty chandelier and two mirrors and is lined with dark wood paddling. The voice of the phantom from the, sounds from the ceiling and around the room, politely welcoming guests, telling them the legend of this place and inviting them to explore the manor further. Melanie's face fades in and out of the smallest mirror during the narration. It should be noted that the portrait of Melanie... Oh, sorry, that's, in, that's actually in the, um, in the next room, isn't it? And the, 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 there isn't a portrait of Melanie um, at Picnic in this bit, is there? That's in the stretching room. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in the 2019 refurbishment, an additional effect was added to the fire. The small mirror was replaced by a, pa- a painting of Melanie in her wedding gown looking sad and her father, Henry Ravenswood, looking angry, standing behind her outside the decrepit house with both hands on her shoulder. God, he's an evil guy. A tree with no leaves is also behind them with four hearts crossed out and a noose hanging from one of its branches. When the voice of the ghost host starts telling the, the guests the legend of the manor, the painting changes. It now shows a happy Melanie dressed in summer clothes, whilst Henry is now smiling, resting one hand on Melanie's shoulder in a loving way. The manor is in a pristine condition and the tree now with leaves and has one heart and a swing hanging from its branches. A noted detail of this portrait uh, are the hearts engraved on the tree trunks. Um, in the gloomier version, there's a fall with a damaged Emmy uh, etched inside. A link with them is made easily to the suitors of courted Melanie, who've obviously been passed away. When the portrait changes, only one heart is preserved, maybe representing the first and true love of the young bride. Uh, lighting effects also transform the wallpaper in the room from an old and torn to a brand new, so they've made some kind of changes to, to change the lighting yeah. and use some very clever effects to make the whole room now look brand new from looking torn, and I'm assuming if you've written yourself, you've noticed that. Yeah, yeah. It's quite a, an interesting effect how, how they do that. Um, smoke and mirrors, smoke and mirrors. Um, the Phantom was originally voiced by Vincent Price, as we mentioned, but legal agreements required, that required the narration to be primarily in French meant that French writer Gérard Chevalier, Chevalier yeah, was brought in to record a French version of Price's narration, which was only used for the first few months of the attraction's operation. Uh, Chevalier used to be a dub for Price of many of his movies, However, a small piece of price recordings were kept in use, the Phantom's maniacal laughter. In 2018, it was announced that during the Phantom Manor's major renovation, parts of price narration would be restored to the soundtrack of the attraction. For the 2019 reopening, the new tracks featured price once again, original excerpts as well as a previously unused material from his 1990 recording, spoken English, with French actor, actor Bernard Alain doing the parts in French. Phantom quotes. 
when hinges creak in doorless chambers. Lorsque d'étranges et d'inquiétants bruits se font entendre tout autour. Where candlelights flicker though the air is deathly still. C'est que le fantôme des lieux se manifeste. Welcome, curious friends. It is so nice to have guests. Nous sommes ravis de vous accueillir, humble mortel, dans ce mystérieux manoir. You may not believe it, but beauty once lived in this house. Fantôme Manor a connu des jours heureux, mais les temps ont changé. And now, curious souls, come, I have more to show you. Entrez, brave mortel, et visitons ensemble ce fameux manoir. The guests enter a section of the ride from here entitled the Octagonal Portrait Gallery. This features four, young po four portraits of young Melanie with each of her four suitors. The Fantin comments the gallery referring to them referred to the sweet innocence of youth. And I think there's one thing you kind of notice from the Phantom, uh, and you probably agree with me, Hapal, um, it's kind of the Phantom almost mocks the story. Yeah. He's yeah, it does. Mocking. It's like he's yeah. He's like, oh, so what? There's a story about me. Why? Why would I care? I don't care about the people that are in the story. So why should I care about people telling it? Do you know, there's only one way you could make it a bit more mocking. Have Ricky Gervais do it. Well, yeah. And then <laughs> have him do a little dance at the end of it. <laughs> have a tap dance on the top of the on yeah. top of the thing. <laughs> so. Shortly after um, the Phantom comments on the sweet innocence of youth, Melanie fades away from each of the paintings, with only the suitors left, and the Phantom acknowledges a disquainting metamorphosis. Uh, and that not all tales have happy endings. Suddenly the room appears to stretch upwards and the paintings grow taller, revealing what happened to each of Melanie's suitors. And this effect is just, when I first saw this effect, it was just like, wow. It's, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Weirdly, not all of them are made the same way. So some of them you move, some of them you don't move. It's it's strange how they, they differ throughout the, the world. Um, because some of them have to go, have to get you underneath the berm. Mm. And some of them aren't affected by the berm. So the Paris one, you don't actually move. You stay in the same place. But the top of the room... Yeah, it kind of moves up, yeah. Disneyland isn't. You yeah. actually move. Because you've got to go underneath the railway for that, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it, it's mad. It, it's really quite clever how it gives you the same sensation. Despite yeah. the fact that it's done two different ways. Yeah, and it's a little like, I'm going to keep drawing comparisons to this because obviously it's probably the closest attraction we've got to in the past, but it's a little like at times in the Tower of Terror, you feel disorientated of where you are in the world at that yeah. time. And this is a perfect like way of just taking, when that happens, it takes you out of the real world and you just yeah. don't know where you are. You're lost. Yeah. And, and this is exactly why I love Disney. Because I then need to find out how it works. That's exactly <laughs> what we're doing here. <laughs> we'll get to it. 
Well, we'll get to. <laughs> well, we've almost we've almost said it there, yeah. Um, but we'll we'll, we'll 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 get down onto it. So, um, the the portraits. Um, we've got each of the suitors, and if you remember the the names of them, it was Barry Claude. Sorry, bottom. <laughs> Captain Roman D. Falls <laughs> and Ignatius Iggy Knight. I think Iggy Knight is my favourite. I have to say, I think that's that's a great name. <laughs> We've never considered calling any kids Iggy. No, no. no. <laughs> it was it was bad enough when we were going through all the names for our, our little boy and going, well, if we call him that, someone will go, oh, you got it from that. Call him that. Oh, they'll say it was from that TV show or that film. It was so <laughs> difficult as it was. <laughs> But Iggy never fell on the list, no? No, no. <laughs> so, basically, the suitors are on the, the portraits, and as the portraits kind of expand, it shows, it details kind of how they died in the end, uh, with Barry Claude um, showing the angry bear below him. Uh, Sawyer Bottom shows the log below him, um, shows the log and the saw below him. Um, Captain Rowan shows the, the waterfall blowing, an ignite standing on top of several crates of TNT and an ignited barrel of dynamite, uh, which is actually a reference to the Haunted Mansion portraits. I believe ignite uh, appears in that. Yeah. As it happens, Phantom comments, It appears everyone is doomed at Phantom Manor. Even you. This chamber has no windows and no doors, which offers you this chilling challenge to find a way out. Par ailleurs, il n'y a ni porte ni fenêtre. Par où sortir? Si vous ne trouvez pas le moyen de vous échapper. So back in the back in the octagonal room, after his maniacal laughter echoes away, he adds that the phantom, referring to himself, would be happy to help them. Lightning and thunder effects fill the space as the ceiling turns invisible and the phantom reels himself in the attic holding a noose and is sinister laughing. Then suddenly lights go out completely and the guests are shrouded in darkness. The gallery's lights slowly come back on and a hidden door opens revealing the hallway lined with portraits. At this time, um, the phantom, I haven't got down my notes, but the phantom does say something along the lines of I didn't mean to frighten you. Come, let us continue our tour. <laughs> yeah, all right. Come on, Gator. Come on. No need for that now, is there? So, pre, this was the kind of post-2019 um, upgrade of a, the, the Phantom Manny. Pre-2019, between 1992 and 2018, the four portraits of a young Melanie, which more fallacious times, only to stretch reveal more macabre situations. Uh, in one of the portraits, Melanie is having a picnic with Jake Evans, the, the lover, uh, as ants and diamondbacks, rattlesnakes and scorpions, uh, tarantula and beetle raid their food. Uh, and I believe this is the only picture of Jake um, post, or sorry, pre-death that ever appeared in the, in the mansion. Uh, in another picture, Melanie holds a parasol as she rides a boat, uh, which is about to go over a waterfall. Um, in another picture, Melanie picks roses from above a tombstone while skeletal zombies emerge from the ground, gripping at a small rake with one hand. 
And then the final one, Melanie wades through a small stream as an aquatic monster reaches for her foot. Um, also, we, met, we touched on it earlier, but the, um, the final scene where the uh, phantom appears above you um, was slightly different pre-2019 in that Jake Evans was actually hanging above you, um, where, whereas now it's obviously just a new. So obviously that was taken out because you can't have someone hanging in a Disney park. Yeah, and those those original portraits were very much more reminiscent of the, the originals um, from Haunted Mansion. Um, obviously one of them out there is a crocodile um, with a woman holding a parasol. Um, so yeah, they were, they were very reminiscent of the originals, just more in keeping with this Phantom Manor storyline. Yeah, yeah, and trying to trying to obviously make it because I think that's that's one thing we mentioned obviously before is um, in in this section of the ride um, in the, the in the American versions they almost try to make the deaths a little bit comical. Yeah. Um, whereas in this version, obviously, they were just trying to go for a more dark approach. So obviously, the paintings had to be slightly different and a bit more sinister than obviously the counterparts in the in the US. Yeah. So you mentioned it before. Um, what you might not know is this section of the attraction actually transport you from the facade of the haunted of the Phantom Manor into the actual show building which is hidden behind the, the bond um, behind the manor. Now that the, the portrait gallery is actually two clever disguised Otis, Otis elevators. Um, Otis, notable as well, worked for obviously working on the Tower of Terror, the company who got who got asked to um, make an elevator fall. Um, the floor is lowered and the ceiling is raised slowly at the same time to provide a stretch and illusion. This serves as double the double purpose of both dramatic effects while slowing guests from the manor to where the ride actual rise begins at ground level in a separate warehouse-style building behind the beam, hidden behind the forest to render the invisible riders from Bing Thunder Mountain and the rest of the park. Um, we look towards the back end of it. The ceiling, which always used to get me when I was younger, above you is like, how does a phantom appear? That's actually a scrim. Uh, so like a very... Um, it's a bit like... Um, how to explain it? Like the curtains... So you sometimes yeah. get really light curtains. Yeah. It's like that with the with a with a roof painted on it, and when the light obviously flashes behind the the, the phantom, you can see through the screen then. But otherwise, the lighting carefully is carefully done so that you can't see through the screen until you need to, basically. Um. So stepping out of the stretching room, guess what? Down a section known as the portrait corridor. And um, when you're actually in the Disney version, this is going underneath the um, Parks Railroad. So this is trying to yeah. take you under it. Um, I believe in this one, uh, it just travel. It takes you behind the show building, which on the side of the other side of the the wall is the, is it the Grand Canyon diorama yes. for the thing, and then you kind of go around it. Yeah. Um, so guess what? Down the corridor, they see four portraits slowly morphing into macabre images. The original paintings were all adapted from the Disneyland version of the ride and later added to the Walt Disney version. 
which featured a knight and his horse on a cliff both becoming ghost of beings. A young woman in a Greek temple sprouts snakes from her hair and becomes Medusa. A ship sailing across the sea becomes tattered and goes a version of itself sailing through a storm. And a woman reclining on a sofa turns into a were-panther. A were-panther. I didn't know such things existed. No, it's it's a very strange portrait. If I was if I was going to pick one, I really like the Medusa one. I think that's really clever. Um, and that's been changed. Yeah. That's been changed, has it? Or is that... Uh, was it before or after? Yes. It's, that one was before. It says... Uh, I'm just looking at it now. It's uh, it's now... We're, we're going to it in a minute. It's now Henry um, that's on that portrait. But yeah, the Medusa one is, is, is in the Disneyland one as well. Uh, mm. So I've seen it multiple times. So yeah, it's a, that's a very clever one. And it was it was strange to see the changes. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a, in a moment when the... The Disneyland Paris one reopened. Yeah. Because it didn't feel like it connected to the original one anymore. But I mean, do you think. I suppose we'll, we'll, we'll touch on the changes here now. So, changes here replacing the producer one, Henry Ravensword became the Phantom. Um, another one was Henry and another man outside the manor about to have a duel, while it changed to Henry shooting as a permanent in the back, replacing the Were Panther one. The other one is a reference to the jewelist painting ghosts in the Disneyland version of Ballroom. And the other one was a cowboy and his horse on a cliff, blazing off at Big Thunder Mountain, becoming spectral beings and it, while, a white, while a ghostly cattle emerges from the sky. Um, so I guess, do you prefer the originals or do you think these are better because they fit the story better? I, I think, it, as I said, it was, it was quite strange to see the, the change. Um, but it, it happens and... I suppose it is to make it feel more suitable for our version of it. Mm. Um, whereas the other ones were obviously all set out for, for Disneyland in the first place. So, uh, yeah, I, I can see why it's been changed. It was just that it was a bit, I was a bit taken aback to see some of them missing. That was, that was yeah. all when I rode it. But obviously, I, once I get on it a few more times, because as I said, I, I did only get out there. Um, in the September, just after it had reopened, um, so I'd only been on it once. Yeah, and then um, like hand after that, obviously. Yeah. So. So yeah, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it again um, and taking it in a bit more than I did before. I know I also was, I got my head stuck in a camera taking photos of it when I walked around it the first time. Um, so next time I'll, I'll take a good look at it myself. I'm expecting to see another picture of you in front of the, the bit of Latin at the front. Yeah, there, there'll definitely be pictures of the, the plaque again, for sure. <laughs> so, at the end of the hallway stands a large portrait of Melanie Ravenswood wearing her bridal crown, from which she can be heard singing. Guests then turn a corner into the loading area, a large hall with a grand staircase leading to the upper floor. Uh, one can see ghostly foggy landscapes with flashes and bolts of lightning through the window above the, above the stairs and Melanie is standing on the midway landing the old furniture lined the walls and sitting on the shelf is a bust of a stern looking woman who stares at guests and seems to follow them as they pass by uh, in this loading area a bro- an unbroken track train of black omnimover vehicles um, are located and they are known as doom buggies and that's where we're going to pick up next time. Yeah. We're going to talk about the Doom Buggies. 
And we're going to yeah. actually get onto the ride itself. Yeah. That's okay. uh, about, about an hour and a quarter of just talking about the queue. <laughs> and there's, I tell you what, with the amount that's actually on this ride itself, yeah, we're going to end up spending another hour talking about this. Yeah. And it's well worth it. Oh, it is. It's such a fantastic ride. Um, and like we said, like we said at the start, we could have easily just gone straight for the haunted mansion because obviously that's the original. Um, we could have gone for the Florida version, but I feel like just this this one is just so unique. Yeah. In its story, and you know. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure, I'm sure you wouldn't disagree that this is probably the best version of. I I think. Honestly, it's it is the best. Um, I know a lot of Disneyland fans will say that their version is is the superior one, but for me, it doesn't come close to this. And and it, we're not even talking about just the the manner itself. I can't wait to talk about the the final scene because I still think that's superb. And being so different to everything else, when you actually get into the into Phantom yeah. Canyon, yeah, yeah, it's just brilliant and so different to everything else that we've seen and even yeah and not to give too much away but even the little quirks in the story of how you fall into it yeah the method of which you fall into it and why you do it that way is there's a lot to come up on this so tune in next week and we'll, we'll, we will take you deep into Phantom Canyon and yeah the Grim Grinning Ghost will come out to socialise. So they will. Well, thanks very much for joining me again, Paul. That's great. I've really enjoyed it. As I said, this is this is one of my favourites and one of the real reasons why I'm a, I'm a Disney fan. So I uh, can't wait to delve into it a bit more. You see the grin on your face. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, thank you guys for joining us um, on this episode of the Imagineers podcast. Um, we look forward to you know peeling back more of the gold way green on this of this attraction. Um, please leave a good review wherever you're listening to this. Um, five stars will do. Four stars is okay, I guess. Anything lower than that, we don't really want to know. Um, and we now have an Instagram where whenever we post um, an episode, you know we'll post some construction photos of the particular ride. And whenever this atrocious pandemic is finished and we're next time in Disney we'll, we'll, we'll try our best to take some quirky shots of the park and some aspects that you might not have realised that we've touched upon and see if we can get some interesting shots you know different viewpoints and stuff so uh, follow us on at on Instagram at Imagineers Podcast all one word and uh, we'll see you next time see you next time
This podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast Network.